Coming to you from KFAI Minneapolis, this is the Miniculture Podcast. Welcome to season two. I think that was like the sparking point, which is ridiculous because I've been black my whole life. I was, I'm a purebred Norwegian, and uh, when I grew up, I uh, talked very fluent in Norwegian. Do, do you make the clothes? No, 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 I make trouble. I'm your host, Jumande Tway. On this podcast, we're going to listen to KFAI's best arts and culture stories from the state of Minnesota. I'm excited, man. This is what I'm asking for, right? KFAI is a volunteer-driven community radio station in Minneapolis. We've been broadcasting since 1978. It's a place that lets you express your creativity. You're listening to Fresh Air Community Radio, KFAI, radio without boundaries. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. So when I'm not hosting this podcast, I have a show at KFAI called Afrique Nomad. Welcome to Afrique Nomad. I'm Jamande Tway, opening up with something vintage today, musical youth. I play music spanning the African diaspora, from West African to hip hop. All across the globe. If it has a black flare, I'll play it. Of makes the blood run cold. Sometimes I play love songs. And on today's podcast, I have two Minnesota love stories for you. We're going to meet a Minnesota couple that got separated by war. But singing kept them connected. It all starts in the Democratic Republic of Congo, way on the other side of the ocean. Here's KFI producer Emily Bright. When an ocean separated Sosten and Inzigire, they sang to each other on the phone. Inzigire was in the Congo. Sosten was here in Minnesota. Sosten and Inzigire were married with six children, and they were still very much in love. Singing was their way to stay connected. When immigrants arrive in the U.S., locals might worry about how they'll adapt to their new home. But what the locals don't understand is what the newcomers have left behind. I never think that I will move my country. I love my, my country so much. That's why 17 years ago, he started a nonprofit dedicated to helping child soldiers rejoin society in the war-torn Democratic Republic of Congo. More than 5 million people have died in a raging conflict that some have described as Africa's world war. Because of his work, Sosten's life was threatened, When he was in the U.S. for a 2013 conference, his wife told him it wasn't safe to return to the Congo. We said, no, you can't come home. He said, I cannot just leave my work like that. I came here without arranging a place to stay. I have to come back. Sosten didn't want to believe what his wife was telling him. He kept hoping things would get better and he could return home soon. In the meantime, all they had was the phone. Every day he'd call, at least two, three times a day. Sometime I would say, when do you ever sleep? And he'd say, I can't sleep without hearing your voice and the kids' voices. The two older girls were in Nairobi in Kenya. He'd call us. 
Then he'd call the older girls every day. That gave me strength, but it was so, so hard. Yeah. You can laugh on the phone. You can cry. You can sing. Ask, how was your day? It was the only way we had to stay connected. The lyrics say, even though mothers might leave their children in the chaos of war, God will never leave you. Six months passed. The polar vortex of 2013 set in. Sosten shivered through it and tried to adapt to his new surroundings. He had a strong case to seek asylum in the U.S. because he would get killed if he went home. Finally, he got a lawyer and applied to stay. Our family didn't know when we'd be able to see him again. But as time passed and things didn't get better, he had to apply for asylum. Things were really unstable for us that whole time. They waited. They called. They sang. It took a year for the U.S. government to decide he could stay. But what about his family? He filed paperwork. Another year passed. More than two and a half years after Nzigire called to say, don't come home, her husband called with good news. She and the kids could come to the U.S. The family is reunited, but daily life in Minnesota has huge challenges. There's a new language, new culture, new schools for the kids. There's still fear. So Sosten and Inzigiri are not using their real names in this story. The singing that privately sustained them has slowly gone public. Sosten and Zagiri and the six children now perform at Twin Cities churches. Unlike the tens of thousands of Somalis and Liberians in the Twin Cities, there are only a few hundred French-speaking Congolese. They miss having a community. I continue to wish one day I will be back in my country. For KFAI, I'm Emily Bright. I so relate to that story. Here's why. I moved to Minnesota from Liberia when I was in middle school. I really missed the smells, the sounds from my old neighborhood. Back in Liberia, people dropped in and out of each other's homes. No problem. No questions. Literally and figuratively, doors were opened. Coming to Minnesota as an immigrant, I really missed that community. It was hard. It was hard for me to connect. So much, you guys. Having a community really does make a huge difference. Just ask the band Kitten Fabric. And I just want to thank you guys all so much for coming. Um, we've never really like felt so supported by our community as we have the past couple of weeks. And so many of you guys have been a fan of us for so long, and that really means a lot to us. Yeah, they go playing at the Triple Rock Social Club. That was in 2016. 
The club is closed now, but I have a lot of fond memories in that place. You can hear how much Kitten Forever loves their fans, but they also love each other. KFI producer Lila Cherniff interviewed the band to find out how their love story started. Kitten Forever is an all-female punk trio that loves Kim Kardashian, Glitter, and each other. This is not your loner uncle's punk band. For one, there's no guitarist. Just bass and drums, along with a pink plastic telephone mic. They get asked all the time, by men mostly, if they're looking for a guitarist. They're not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we always joke like, oh, all these men keep coming up to us and asking us if we need a guitar player. And it's like, we actually all do know how to play guitar. We just don't. The second is that they rotate instruments. That's right. Literally rotate. As in, partway through the set, the singer with the tattoo of an anatomical heart on her bicep unwinds the pink cord attached to the pink microphone and straps on a bass while the shoeless bassist picks up drumsticks from the stage and starts banging them in rhythm as she heads to the drum set. And the drummer, in a black and white lace dress, pops out from behind the cymbals, grabs hold of the pink telephone mic, and, without losing rhythm, the music starts again. We've always had this thing within the band where there's like no real hierarchy in it. So often people are watching a band and you're focused on the singer as being like the representative of the band. Like people have to sort of experience the show as being like the three of us all together and not just one of us. The third, and this is obvious even in their briefest sets, is that the members of Kitten Forever totally freaking love each other. In fact, Laura Larson and Corey Harrigan came up with the idea for the band as a way to become friends with the gregarious Liz Elton. We had like a crush on Liz yeah. and we were like, we, we just really want to be friends with this girl. Like, maybe we should ask her to be in a band. Yeah. We were at this punk house called the Kremlin. And I remember both of you like were standing kind of in front of me and you like turned like French doors like opening towards me. And you're like, hey, you want to play in a band with us? You want to sing in a band? And I was like, yeah, yep, yep. Yes, I do. Yes. Now. Yep. And then I moved into their house. <laughs> now, ten years later, Kent Forever has become much more than an elaborate ploy to hang out. J.D. Sampson of La Tigra Punk Royalty signed them on her New York label. They toured with punk legends Babes in Toyland this fall, and feminist punks around the country fell in love with the trio. Here's Babes in Toyland drummer Lori Barbero. They are the epitome of what a musical group should be. You can just see it. They just are best friends. And that's what's helping them get to where they're at. People want to go see it. Kitten Forever is like slumber party punk, if that could possibly not be an oxymoron. Their music videos are set in roller skating rinks and bedrooms. They're full of streamers, tiaras, and sparklers. But there are also bold feminist lyrics, banging cymbals, and pounding bass lines. Kitten Forever proves that you can like pop and pink and sparkles and still be just as punk. Who are we writing our music for? Like young women. I feel like at the end of the day, we, I would hope that 
if a 17 year old in Burnsville is listening to Kitten Forever that they feel like empowered and less alone. For KFAI, I'm Lila Chernoff. KFAI recorded Kitten Forever performing at the Triple Rock Social Club in 2016. Here's a track from that set. It's called The End. If you're digging the band, we've posted their entire live Triple Rock set on SoundCloud. It's part of KFAI's Live for Minnesota series. We've recorded dozens of live shows over the years that feature local musicians, including High Respects, Charlie Parr, and of course, Kidding Forever. The Miniculture Podcast is produced by Zan Holston, Todd Melby, and Nancy Rosenbaum. Our music is by Javier Santiago. Support for Miniculture is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you like what you hear, be sure to share Miniculture with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, or just leave a review of the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. I'm your host, Jamonde Tway. I gotta get on out of here, but I'll catch you all next time. Yeah, yeah.